So, um, welcome. This is Naked Comedy, and this week we have Andy Daly with us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Is it, do you like Andy or Andrew? People always ask me that, and I, I'm <laughs> constantly disappointing them by having no answer. <laughs> I should really, I, I'm, I'm at an age now where I should know which of those two names I prefer. Well, different websites say different things. Some say, like, Andrew Daly, a.k.a. Andy Daly, or some say, like, yeah. stage name Andy Daly, and... Sometimes credited as something like that. That's, yeah, that's the way to go about it if you want to use the most words possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's a free for all out there. People don't know what to call me. I, ca- I guess I like the confusion. <laughs> I, I, I was raised as an Andrew, but every, people who've met me over the years always just seem to take to calling me Andy, and I feel like you do what you want. It rolls off the tongue better. Andy I mean, Daly. It's better. It's better for Hollywood. I Andy agree with Daly. that. But then every once in a while, I meet somebody who says it sounds cheesy or something. Well, they're silly. just jealous that they don't have a cool two-syllable name. Yeah, you're right. Those people usually do have horrible names. Yeah. <laughs> I have a one-syllable name, and so I, I, I feel for them, but they shouldn't be bitter. They should <laughs> they should take it, be empowered by it. Um, yeah. But so, anyway, you have a new CD that just came out. It, your first CD, right? Yeah. Yes, it's called Nine Sweaters. Nine Sweaters. AST oh, Records. my God. This is me. Look what's happened. I've, I've logged on to your website. <laughs> And it's playing all this noise. <laughs> Not noise, it's short music. It's our our uh, reggae show, Big Big Jim. I don't actually know what the show's called. I just know that the DJ's name is Big Jim. Oh, but that's on. That's what's on right now. That's what's on right now. This is a pre-recorded, thanks for giving it away, Isn't interview. Oops. <laughs> well, no, we it's fine, everybody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hide it. I'd well, it serves me right for surfing the internet while <laughs> you and I are having a conversation, so I'll stop that. <laughs> it's fine. Anyhow... It's what were you asking? Oh yes, Nine Sweaters is my first comedy album. It's out on uh, Special Thing Records, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm so excited about it. How's the response been? The response has been great. Nobody's, I, I haven't read or heard a negative uh, response to it, which is kind of amazing. I thought I might. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, it hasn't really, as far as I know, been reviewed by like uh, anybody. Well, if it makes you feel better, I just did a review of it. Oh, really? It'll be in our program guide. Oh, next, fantastic. Next what quarter. if you just trash it? Well, you'll have to find our program guide to find oh, out. I'm going to do that. Well, Put you know, it all I'm over the internet. Fairly <laughs> proficient with the internet. <laughs> I really liked it, though. It was really interesting. I had seen you perform before, but for some reason I didn't connect the the character work to being on a CD. And so when it was on there, I was kind of surprised, but it was really, really interesting. Like, how was it making a CD... Of, like, all characters. So are you saying you, you've seen me do characters live, and then when you heard that there was an album, you didn't think it was going to be the characters? For some reason, yeah, it didn't mm-hmm. connect. In, like, I didn't I didn't think that what it was going to be. I just didn't think right. about it being characters for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then when I was out, I was like, this fits. This is good. And I like it. I just was, I think, surprised at first. Well, you know, I, I did stand up as myself under my own name way back in the mid-'90s uh, <laughs> in New York, and uh, I didn't love it. I, I, I don't think I was, uh, you know, there are people who are so great at finding a voice for themselves that they can create material in and deliver material in. Uh, and I just never really was one of those guys to the extent that I wanted to be. And I, I like to be getting lots of laughs on stage. <laughs> so I wasn't getting enough doing that. Uh, but what I had more experience doing uh, was creating sort of sketch comedy characters and premises uh, and sort of laying them out gradually <laughs> in, in the format of a sketch. 
And so that's sort of how that, that idea came about to do these characters on stage. And Matt uh, Belknap of AST Records was the first one to tell me that he thinks that they're one-man sketches. <laughs> and I think that's true. I think what I've basically done is put together a sketch comedy show where I don't have to uh, organize rehearsals with other people <laughs> or get props together. <laughs> I've just found a way to perform all of these sketches myself as monologues. Uh, and it's just kind of, it's kind of all I do when I go up on stage and perform alone. And I had just done enough of them over the years that uh, the idea came about to record them for posterity <laughs> on an album. So, yeah, there was no other option of a way to record a, a comedy album for me. I, I just, I, I don't really do, I don't, I don't do myself. <laughs> well, I think it turned out really good. And what I think was kind of cool is, like, it it's a lot more on improv than it is on, like, stand-up comedy in the way that it, it sounds in the way, like, of what you've done. And it's kind of cool because, in a way, I think you might have opened the door for, like, improv groups that are in L.A. or in New York or in wherever they are to, like, consider putting out a CD of their stuff. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I, I was in a, an improv group in New York for years called The Swarm, and we got together once in a recording studio in front of microphones to just kind of do some long-form improv to, to potentially re- release as an album. And what we did was, f- <laughs> it was funny. It was a little scattered. Uh, but And we just didn't really have the time to kind of go back and do it again and learn from our mistakes and redo it. But uh, I think that's a great idea because, uh, you know, there's a thing called the Herald in the Dark, which is um, it's a, like an improv show. You just turn out all the lights and do improv where nobody can see anything. And it, it's it's like a radio show, and it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sort of captured that spirit. So I would say if any improv group out there wants to record themselves improvising on an album, I think it's a great idea. And it's pretty much what Nichols and May used to do. They used to just sit there across from each other in front of microphones and improvise scenes and hone them and uh, lay them down. I think it's a cool idea. It's very interesting. How long have you been, um, how much training have you had doing improv? You seem really comfortable with it on stage. Uh, I've been improvising for a really long time. I think the first time I started improvising, I was in the eighth grade, and we had a drama teacher who happened to have taken some improv classes in New York and just brought everything she learned to uh, this eighth grade drama class, and I immediately loved it, and always found ways to do it you know i i did uh, sketch comedy in high school and a lot of that was sort of improvised just out of laziness you know mm-hmm. like you don't really want to sit down and write <laughs> so you kind of half write half improvise and then in college i was in a sketch group that kind of went about it the same way and and late in my college career i started to really read about uh the chicago the modern chicago comedy improvisation reading books like uh, Something Wonderful Right Away by Jeff Sweet and The Compass by Janet Coleman and and even Wired, the John Belushi story, has a lot of great mm-hmm. accounts of what it was like at Second City. And I started to get pretty heavily into improv and uh, studied it in New York with a couple of different companies, most, most notably with the Upright Citizen Brigade. I was one of their first students when they came to New York mm-hmm. and studied with all those guys for a long time. So, yeah, it's, I've always been heavily into it. That's really cool. Did you ever um, consider doing any other kind of acting, like, or was it all always the drive was for improv? I've always wanted to do other kind of acting. Like, I've always, I, I think, in some ways, maybe my my model uh, of a, a comic actor to be is Charles Grodin. Uh, <laughs> I've I've always loved him, and I like that he is. I I think he's a legitimately good actor, 
who just chooses to play comedy because he's funny. <laughs> and uh, so I've always wanted to sort of think of myself in that way. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, I've, I've tried to, I want to be a comic actor. I'd like to be thought of as a comic actor, yeah. not just an improviser. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that your character work is definitely, like, in the in the CD, it's it feels more natural. It feels more not not improv, but more just a natural flow for it. But I think that it definitely like your character work is really good, and I think it could definitely be like um, well, the character that you did in Semi Pro um, mm-hmm. was that Pepperfield. Yeah, was that based off of any of your other characters, or was that a new character for that movie? I wouldn't say that he's based on any of the other characters. He has a lot in common with them. He's mm-hmm. he's fairly similar to Skip McCabe. In the sense that he's a he's a true American square. <laughs> he's just and he's trapped in a different time. You know, I I thought Dick Pepperfield, even though he was broadcasting in the late '70s, was really stuck in the '50s or the '40s. You know, he was a guy who was probably a, a real fan of the early broadcasters and took his role as a broadcaster very seriously. <laughs> uh, and I think Skip McCabe, Skip McCabe, is stuck in the in the late '50s, early '60s. So he's He's similar in that way. Uh, but yeah, Dick Pepperfield was probably based on, what's that guy's name? Uh, I forget his name now. Marv Albert. Mm. Uh, and some of those old sports announcers. Yeah. You know, those old East Coast sports announcers like Phil Rizzuto and Mel Allen. Uh, those were the guys that I listened to growing up. And, uh, yeah, he's kind of like them. Well, it was definitely a, a very well-made character. It. Um, I was just looking, the clicking was just me looking on the IMDb for Semi-Pro, and you are listed fifth. Oh. You're pretty oh, high up there. Oh, I don't, is that, how does that work, IMDb? <laughs> how think, do they decide what order to put people in? I'm not sure. You're above Will Arnett and uh, Matt Walsh and, and Richter and all of them. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Puppy. I don't know if there's a science to that. And I don't, I don't remember know. when the credits rolled at the end. I do recall sitting in the audience when the credits rolled at the end. I said, "Hey, my name is high up there," <laughs> but I again, I don't know if there's a science to that either. But it was—it ended up being a pretty big part of the movie. <laughs> it know. did, and I feel like a lot of—I've uh, seen you at UCB a lot lately, and I feel like a lot of people are asking you about it. I almost didn't want to ask you about it just because I feel like a lot of people have. But I oh, mean, it's a big, big deal. <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah, it's a big deal. Semi pro. Yeah, yeah. I was really excited. I, I never thought I'd get that part. Like, I auditioned for it, and I felt like I understood the character. But the director, uh, Kent Alterman, uh, he was the Comedy Central executive in charge of the Upright Citizens Brigade TV show oh, way, way back in the day. Wow. And so, and he's just a guy who goes and sees shows. He knows what's happening in, in comedy. Mm-hmm. And so he's seen me perform so many times over the years, going back to New York in the 90s. And, uh, yeah, he, so that was... Just a cool thing that he he brought me in for it, and he knew that I could do it, and he really fought for me to have the part. So it was a combination of luck and a part that I really just understood right away. Uh, probably mostly luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really cool. Like I don't know that that was kind of cool too, because I I kind of do that a lot too. I just go to I go to a lot of shows and I meet people. I kind of like will find them after the show. I'd be like, hey. It's me, and they'll be like, "Oh, cool." So that's yeah. good to know that maybe I can make a career out of it one day. But oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But that's kind of cool too. That um, like that's continuing a trend that almost every comedian I've talked to, it always seems like where they're working is kind of like they're working with a community of like friends, like not just oh I work with this guy. Like yeah. you guys are all you guys all know each other. Like have you ever worked on something where you really weren't like 
you didn't know the people who were running it or people who were in it? Like, has that ever even happened? Um, I'm sure it has. I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go to my IMDb right now, <laughs> and I'm, we're going to go down, and I'm going to tell you the jobs where I never knew. <laughs> no, you know what, I did, I did, no, actually, that's funny, I, I did know somebody there. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, I'll tell you what, no, I knew people there too. Wait a minute, I know people wherever I go. The Post-Grad <laughs> Survival Guide, that's a little movie I was in that I didn't know anybody involved in, but they, they were all nice. Okay, there's I'm an example. I see that on here. Uh, it's my second credit. It's an upcoming film. Oh, uh. Starring I don't remember who. I have one small scene in it. But yeah, in general, like, I, I feel like if I was to give advice to somebody starting out in this business, I would say uh, just be out all the time performing. Uh, you know, like like myself, I, like I was saying, I don't really know how to do stand-up, so I did try to figure out what I could do to get myself on stage performing out as much as possible in the community around the people who are performing uh, and in front of audiences, whoever they may be, as much as I possibly can, because all of that just leads to the number of people you know, the number of people who know you and know your work and uh, hopefully like you and your work, and it, it all just leads to work. It is true that I would say the majority of the paid work that I've gotten is from people who seen me perform live or gotten to know me in some other context before I come in and audition you know yeah and for people who are just who are listening who might not be in Los Angeles or in an area that's like a big acting kind of scene I mean I think that it's not it's not like oh you have to know people or you'll never get work but the more people you know the better the work is like it seems that whenever you do work with somebody like semi-pro seemed like it was really funny and it also felt like a labor of love like it feel it felt like everybody was having fun doing it. Yeah, yeah, we did. We yeah, we had a lot of fun, and and it came from the very beginning. Like the script that uh, Scott Armstrong wrote, I think he really fleshed out a lot of characters around the perimeter. You know, every, everybody had a little something, and so everybody felt like they were a part of a team. It wasn't just we weren't all just sort of watching a one man show. You know, which movies like this can sometimes be. Yeah. Uh, I think we all had pretty complete characters to kind of work on and play with. Uh, there was nobody who was like one note. Everybody kind of had a backstory. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so that started the fun, and then Kent Alterman's directing style was to just kind of let... He he was constantly coming up and saying, I'm just going to roll the camera, and you guys just keep going and do you know do, do what you want. <laughs> How is that? How is the... Um, it seems like there's a new trend of these like these new comedies that are coming out where a lot of it is... Not unscripted, but not fully scripted. Yeah, I think what probably happens a lot of the time is that there there is a full script, and you shoot that, and then you just kind of keep going, and you just go, well, we got that, so let's see, just have fun with it, and see what comes up, you know, and then and then you end up with lots and lots of improvised bits. And I don't know, I've never been in a Judd Apatow movie, but I I get the feeling that they improvise a lot. And, yeah, you know, he ends up. Uh, I'm pretty sure he ends up with cuts of his movies that are, you know, three and four hours long, full of funny stuff, and he just has to figure out what's best because they've improvised so many, so much new material, and that's great. That's that's an incredible amount of fun. It just makes the job because shooting a movie is is famously uh, fairly tedious because <laughs> you know <laughs> you just kind of do your lines. And then they change the camera and they change the lighting and all that. But if you're using all of your brain all day long to sort of flesh out your character and come up with new jokes and really 
listen and pay, play off the other person. It's a much more active That's very cool. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's neat. I think that, I mean, do you think that more actors are going to start training in improv than, like, versus not just improv, but, like, getting improv training? Like, I feel like the UCB theater, they've always had a really busy class schedule, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's been getting a lot more attention lately, a lot more people coming out from the woodworks to take the classes and to learn and stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet you that's probably true. <laughs> I think, uh, but I, I think actors, ha- yeah, have been hip to that for a long time, that you got to, at some point, somebody's going to say, have fun with it, you know, and you've got to be, you got to be ready. You know, you can't just be a person who memorizes the lines and, and yeah. does the lines. Uh, so, yeah, any improv training, I'd recommend it for any actor. But, yeah, probably the word is out that if you're going to get yourself into a Judd Apatow movie or an Adam McKay movie or any comedy movie, at some point the camera's going to be on you and they're going to say, okay, what else do you have? <laughs> Irvine actors, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's move from the movie realm to the mm-hmm. TV realm. Um, mm-hmm. You've done a lot of TV work um, and varying TV work. Um, I saw, I'm still looking at IMDb, I saw you did The Office. As yes. As Ben Franklin, how how was that? Just because, just because I know that you've done uh, you did Saturday Night Live back in its heyday, but um, I guess network TV it's much different from cable. So like, how or does is it really that different? Like it seems different from the viewer's eyes, but is it really different at all, or is it the same kind of environment to work in? Um, uh, is that the only network TV? I'll, well, I'll there just might talk be about more. I just know that that one's network. Yeah, yeah. Let me <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, I should keep my uh, resume in my wallet. Um, yeah, you know the the experience of watching a network TV show is obviously crazily different from watching a show on HBO or somewhere. You know, because obviously they're cutting away for commercials, but not just that; they're promoting other things uh, elsewhere on your screen <laughs> yeah. while you're trying to watch. <laughs> and the commercials are so obnoxious, uh, you know, that they stay with you as you go back into the program. Like, I find it so hard to watch. I can't, but, when I'm watching The Office, I can't even get the NBC little, like, ring out of my head. It's just... <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Now, if you rent it on DVD, do you have to put up with that? I don't think you do. I don't think so. That's better. Yeah. But, um... DVD all the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the experience of shooting it is actually not that different you know particularly that show uh it's just it's just a a bunch of really funny people uh shooting on this uh, office set that looks and feels absolutely real Mm -hmm. and uh coming up with new bits all the time like that show because it's single camera and there's no studio audience full of uh weirdos getting restless (laughs) (laughs) they they can just sit there and throw out alternates a lot and are constantly saying let's come up with some alternates and let's and we did we definitely did some improvising in that so that was kind of like shooting anything else uh that was really really fun <laughs> how would you say like compared to um the lewis black root of root of all evil um a just fun fact that i found you had the most wins on that show i don't know if it's coming back but i know you had the most wins thus far that's funny i know i was uh <laughs> i was undefeated in season one <laughs> and then we came back for season two, and I think I lost. I think I lost two. Uh, yeah, that's kind of. I think that's kind of just luck. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, in season two, I was intentionally trying to pick topics that uh, I would lose doing. Like I submitted all these topics, like Christmas. I wanted to. I wanted to indict Christmas as the root of all evil. <laughs> and I did pick the Olympics, which I thought, like, 
because to me it's more fun if you're if you're uh, the case you're trying to make is preposterous. You know, for me to try to argue that the Olympics are the root of all evil, <laughs> I didn't even know what I would say. But I was like, that sounds hard and <laughs> and hard, hard. Especially against good. drinking games, that's kind of a that's kind of a give. Which one? It was it was Olympic games. I'm um, now oh, on yeah. the Wikipedia. <laughs> it's on the Olympic games versus drinking games. It was you and Greg Geraldo. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I won that one, didn't I? You no, know what? no, you didn't. I didn't. I lost that At one. At least on Wikipedia is reporting that you did not. Well, but they're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's memory is probably better than mine. Whoever wrote that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's not like, honestly, there's no scientific approach to who wins and who doesn't. It's just kind of, yeah. you know, and it's not fair. It's it's a comedy room. Because you know what? <laughs> when Lewis delivers his final verdict, uh, the, the mandate is that it be funny. Mm-hmm. So whoever has to lose for that to be funniest is, uh, yeah. <laughs> is who loses. But how is the setup of that? I feel like it's, it's Lewis Black's show, but it uh, it re- it revolves a lot around the guest the guest comedians. Like uh, most of it is them, and then him kind of like commenting on it. But like, what kind of like how does that put the pressure on you? Do they just say like write stuff about the Olympic Games making it evil, or like how does that work? Yeah, that's basically right. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I mean, the, the way it began was that the executive producer Scott Carter, who does Bill Maher's show, he runs Bill Maher's mm. show on HBO. He he just calls and says. Uh, come up with some topics or some topic pairings. You know, one of my topic pairings was the 60s versus the 80s, which we did uh, this season, me and Paul at Tompkins, but they changed it slightly to be uh, Baby Boomers versus Gen X. Oh, uh, oh yeah, I remember that. Which is just, it's a slight change, but yeah. it allowed us to basically do the same thing. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, you were supposed to pitch ideas that you thought you could possibly indict, and then they get run through some sort of approval mill, and then he gets back to you and says, yeah, let's flesh out these ones. <laughs> and then at that point, there's a brainstorming session where you're sitting in a room with a bunch of hilarious writers, most of whom, I think, work for Bill Maher's show, because this sort of, it, it sort of borrows a lot of the same people. Yeah. Um, but not all. And then uh, you come away with like 12 or 15 pages of just sort of ideas about how maybe this topic could be evil. <laughs> and then you go away and write jokes. And in reality, what ends up on the air is such a thin slice of what we what we write. You know, I just yeah, we just wrote mountains and mountains of, of material to indict all of these subjects. Did you have ever have any ideas um, shot down or like like said that you couldn't air that on the like any of them like just wildly inappropriate or something like that? Oh, you know, there was a wall full of rejected ideas mm-hmm. and, and ideas that were never really intended to be <laughs> ideas. <laughs> but, but a lot of them, one of the one that just constantly made me laugh was 7-Eleven versus 9-Eleven. <laughs> that was hilarious. Isn't that know, from like a, a Zach Galifianakis joke? What is it? He has a joke about that where it's like um, an Indian man who mixes up his nines and sevens, and he wants to open a nine eleven. <laughs> I didn't do it justice, but <laughs> that's really weird. Yeah, that was one, and then uh, another one was Martin Luther King versus the Beatles. <laughs> like, how could either one of them be the root of all evil? <laughs> like, like I could see you arguing over which one had a more profound impact on society, I suppose. But uh, most evil? Uh, yeah, there was a whole wall of ridiculous suggestions that were obviously never going to get anywhere. <laughs> and then there was there was one that was, like, directly attacking Comedy Central. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, think it, I think Comedy Central might have been one of them. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Maybe. Maybe like Comedy Central versus Fox. Yeah, right. <laughs> Could have been something like that. Weird. Well, okay, so you've been on a lot of... You've done live, you've done TV, you've done movie. Like, do you have a preference for where you like to perform, or do you just like performing in general? Um, I think my favorite thing, and probably a lot of actors say this, is uh, to be live on stage because of the uh, you know the audience reaction and the immediate feedback. Mm. Like I just shot a, uh, five episodes of a hilarious new TV show that's going to be on HBO called Eastbound and Down. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, February 15th that'll premiere on HBO. Okay. And it was so much fun to shoot and the scripts were so hilarious. Uh, but it was a single camera show and so you kind of you're doing it and you're thinking I'm having fun and and every once in a while I'll catch through out of the corner of my eye like the sound guy seems to be squelching a laugh you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> or, or sometimes you'll crack somebody up and then you know you know for a fact that it's funny <laughs> but a lot of the time you, you know you just have to somebody says cut and then you have to gauge the sincerity of the person who says that was hilarious <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's just so different from being on stage and having people want to laugh and going with their impulse to laugh and you know you just you know you're doing you know how you're doing on stage this i'm going to have to wait and see when it comes on tv to really have a sense of how i did you know and even then it's like you get the response from reviewers but not always like how do you even find out the mass mass like right you have to watch it in a room of people and see how they respond yeah and they don't really, they, TV doesn't really get watched that way. <laughs> <laughs> I watch TVs. I've, I've found some shows that way. Oh, there yeah? There yeah, were some shows true. I never knew about, and I watched it with friends, and then they started laughing. I was like, oh, I get it, and then started laughing. Uh-huh. So that was kind of back in the day. Yeah. Now I'm that friend. Idea. It grows. All right, so to finish up our interview, as oh. we are nearing on half hour, time oh. flies. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I would like to ask something about your past. Let's hear it. I was looking up on Google, I looked up your name, Andy Daly, mm-hmm. and the fourth result under video results <laughs> is a mustache TV. What? MustacheTV.net. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I must ask, what the heck? What is it? <laughs> well, here's the story. <laughs> it's already eight years ago that uh, somebody came to my birthday party and gave me a pack of novelty mustaches. They used to sell them at Urban Outfitters. They sell them at Party City now. Oh, they do? So yeah. it's like a mustache for every day of the week was the gag. <laughs> and so I wore one, and my girlfriend wore one, and so whatever. And then at some point I put one on the TV, and I turned on the TV thinking, well, this will be funny because it, maybe at some point somebody on TV will, me- will wear the mustache, right? And everybody at the party uh, gradually gathered around the television, and it became like the funnest thing of all time because (laughs) the mustache would land on a cat or it would land on a house in a way that made the house look like a face (laughs) or it would would land right on the grill of a car. And then occasionally it would would come so close to landing right between somebody's nose and mouth, but it would not, you know what I mean? And And then when it did, when it finally did, it was such an incredible moment that I thought, you know, I played it at parties for years, and people were constantly telling me, you got to find a way to market this. <laughs> you got, I was like, that's a really stupid idea. <laughs> but uh, I, I finally did. I had enough free time on my hands a few years ago that I, I went through it all, and I got the trademark and the copyright, and uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, bu- I bought mustaches in bulk and printed up a scoring <laughs> guide and uh, started a website and, and sold them for a few years there, and it was, it was quite popular. 
but I never really, I'm not a businessman <laughs> <laughs> or an entrepreneur of any kind, so I never really had a good system down. Uh, so it was always a pain in the neck when I got an order because I had to go, I had to put the kit together myself and put it in an envelope and bring it to the post office and weigh it and all this. Oh, the other genius didn't help, Brian. Brian Bri- didn't help. No, he he lives in New Jersey. He did all the artwork for the scoring guide and for the packaging and all that stuff. That's uh, my brother who did the artwork for Nine Sweaters. Oh, cool! My album, and he's yeah, he's a great artist. That was very cool. Oh, that actually reminds me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask one more question before the end because I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about the the sweaters thing. Because I was reading the inside of the cover, and you said that the way that you develop a character is like by first picking its sweater like what it would wear like tell me about that because that just seems really inside the actor studio kind of <laughs> esque what was your favorite well sweater? yeah it's yeah, i mean it's kind of a joke i mean the reality is that almost all of my characters wear a different distinct sweater and it's because i don't want to get involved in wigs or glasses <laughs> or anything too complicated or ridiculous i just want to find like one thing that basically helps you know visually what this guy is all about. And I've just found that sweaters work very well <laughs> because there's a wide variety of different sweaters that communicate something about the, the sweater wearer. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's rarely true that I look at a sweater and start to build the character from there. Uh, it, it was the case for the lead character on the album, Patty O'Shaughnessy or O'Hurley, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, that guy started with a, a very Irish-looking sweater. Uh Maybe one of the other ones did, too. But in general, I, I come up with a character, and then I think, and what would his sweater be? <laughs> so that's where the uh, title of the album came from. I just thought it was it was very funny and ready for questioning. <laughs> yeah. Especially since I, I saw one, oh, what's it called? The the um, party. Oh, yeah. What's, what's his name? Uh, Danny, what do I call him? Danny Mahoney. Yeah, Danny Mahoney. I saw, yeah. I actually saw you perform that at um, F. Yeah Fest a few months back. Oh, yeah. And... <laughs> I thought that was really funny just because when I heard it on the album, I had a whole different response to it. But like seeing it in that crowd with those people, like actually seeing, trying to like force them to get up was almost more hilarious in its own unique way. (laughs) That that was not one of the best times it went over because (laughs) that audience was so great and so up for anything. When we recorded it for the album, that was a comedy death ray audience that would not get up and do the conga line. And that made it so much funnier that I had to really try to pull them out of their seats. And it was hard. And they would not do it. And I had to get angrier and angrier. At the FEF Fest, people were so cool that they were like, yeah, whatever you want, man. So there was like I, one guy who took over the conga line, tried to like become part of the show. You were like, get off the stage. I had to find reasons to get mad at people because they were being so cooperative. And he finally did. He furnished me with one by being overly eager. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. And it was just really interesting. I, I played that um, track on my show last week and somebody called in they're like who's yelling i was like no you got to listen to it they're like then they called back they're like that was really funny but it was really loud I was yeah like, i know i'm sorry <laughs> you just had to listen and they're like okay but it was loud i, was like, I know it's really loud <laughs> I, I uh yeah blare out the mic i do lot. love that song that you picked to do it to the um It's incredible, right? (laughs) Um, Mike Furman of Hard and Firm composed that song. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, I wanted it to sound like, uh, what's that, that C&C Music Factory song? Oh, yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he 
his song is better. I almost thought that it was like because I've I've done some stuff for the station and I needed background music and there I've I've found like really ridiculous stuff from the eighties and the nineties. But yeah, so I like I believe that it was real. I would not oh, have yeah. known until now that that was made for for you. It's trying to sound like I got the power. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that great song. All right, well. <laughs> It has been a wonderful interview with you. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we all enjoyed it. I really did. Thank you. So we will keep you updated. And um, if you have, do you ha- are you performing anywhere sometime soon? Uh, the first week of December, I'm performing at a few places. I think most notably at Wayne Fetterman's uh, Christmas show at the Largo at the Coronet. Uh, and then on the 16th, I'm doing the Comedy Death Rate Christmas show, which I don't think has been announced. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, no, he's announcing it today. He, um, oh, good. We're going to do an interview with him, too, and announce it later. Um, listeners forget you heard that. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think he said he was announcing it today, and um, if not, this will come out later, so it's all it's all good. Okay, good. <laughs> cool. It'll come out after he's already announced it and the big deal. So that's good to look forward to. Yay, Christmas show. All right, well, thank you for being here, and we will hopefully maybe talk to you again in the future when your second album might be released. (laughs) (laughs) I'll think about six years. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, It was great talking to you. Am I hanging up now? Um... I, I mean, you could stay on, but yeah. I might hang up. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. This was a lot of fun. Right. Bye. All right, cool. Thanks. Bye. Yay.